us bring the measure of faith that is in us. Each one of us brings the measure of understanding that is in us. Each one of us brings those experiences and those things that Holy Spirit has sown into us or caused us to believe and receive. Each one of us brings that here. And then through our engagement at this, in this royal nation, we are a royal nation. We are, we are a royal nation, and all the churches came to that place. But each of us engage, and as we engage, we draw from one another. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom of God. Religion doesn't provide for the kingdom. Religion has never provided for the kingdom. Does not. Because the kingdom cannot fit within religion. Because religion will tell you every single day, these are the rules, these are regulations. If you'll do these things, you'll have relationship with God. And most of that is junk. Junk. But when we come to the place, when we get past the religious legalisms, and we set it aside, and we stop going to bed at night wondering if we somehow pulled out in front of somebody, somebody and I might go to hell because of it, or accidentally said a bad word, and I might go to hell because of it. If I can get past that place and accept that I'm not judged because of a mishap, I'm judged because of disobedience. Religion does not understand the difference between disobedience and mistakes. The kingdom does. Do you hear me today? I can tell you what I have done is I've met religious folks that I wanted to help them change. And you might be one of those. I don't judge you for it. I don't hold it against you unless you continue to stay in it. But once you come into the knowledge of the truth, see, the kingdom of God cannot be imposed. It's received. Nothing about the kingdom, nothing about the kingdom of God can be imposed on anybody. I can't hold anybody up against the wall and make you step out of the legalism and the laws and the junk that has hindered you from actually becoming all that the Father wants you to be. I was in religion for a long time produced absolutely nothing but man when I came into the kingdom everything changed and as much as I would like to sometimes Chris take somebody and hold them up against the wall and tell them you will receive the kingdom before you walk out of this building I did that before man I did stuff like that listen back when my wife and I would travel and we would pray for people and minister to people and and I would tell them you will receive the Holy Spirit before I we walk out of here today and I'd pray with them forever till I was absolutely exhausted and hoarse. And then I'd just give up and say, well, shame on me. And then they would leave defeated and I would leave defeated. We've tried that. That's the religious way. The religious way, man, they, they but I'm, the kingdom cannot be imposed. We can't take somebody and hold them up against the wall. Chris, we d- couldn't do that to you. When you came into this place, the kingdom came to you because you received it. Isn't that right? Jamie, the kingdom came to you because you received it. Didn't look like anything you'd ever seen before. And when you begin to receive it, it begins to change your life. Now I keep using Brian and Michaela. They didn't know what they were getting into. But I would say it's probably safe to assume that when you came in here, you thought it would be like anywhere else you'd ever been before. Would that be safe to assume? It's an assumption that now is a truth. It's no longer an assumption.
But you came in here believing, just like many of us did when you walked in the doors this first time, thought we would be something sort of like that Baptist church you went to down the street or that Pentecostal church you went to around the block. And you assumed that we might be something like that. And then when you came in, you found out that we were nothing like that and found out even more that we don't want to be anything like that. In fact, we want to be as far from that as possible. Not because we don't like the people, but because we don't like that that hinders people from coming into the fullness of who God created them to be. Is that Jessica? I have got to hug your neck. How long has it been? A year? Seems like 10. I'm going to hug. Oh, I can't. Somebody wrote me off there. I got Good morning. It's so, so awesome. But the kingdom of God, when the kingdom comes to us, it comes by revelation, A.J. It comes in such a way that if we will set ourselves to see it, if we will set ourselves to believe for what's more, I don't need faith to believe for anything that can be taught to me in Sunday school. I don't. Right? She agreed. (laughs) I don't need faith for that. What I need faith for is to believe that the God of those stories isn't the God that's only in those stories. But I am now one of his stories. I need faith to believe that now I am a story that he's going to write about. I want to talk to you about something today. In this series that we're doing, that we're presently doing, Spread the Word, I'm both cautious and very excited at the same time about it for different reasons. One, I'm cautious because I don't want you to hear anything that I say and think that somehow I want you to do what was done in the past. If it even resembles anything that was done in the past, I'm not interested in it. But I want to be careful to not go too fast, too far, so that there's no understanding in what it is we're walking out. So I'm reluctant to go fast. I'm also hesitant to go too slow. So as time went on and this gospel began to become something that became formal instead of informal, it became something that could only be done in a building instead of by a city well. It became something that could only be expressed on the radio and television instead of in a chariot or a vehicle, one-on-one. Because it had to have a particular setting so that everything was safe. We were so concerned, the church became so concerned with having order, it became disorderly. It governed itself so much into what it believed was order that it literally removed the order of God from it. 
It reflects the order of man, the pomp and the circumstance. But it does not reflect the order of God. It reflects the order of those who would gather in the temple and be afraid, uh, didn't want somebody healed on the Sabbath, but stopped reflecting the spirit of a David who would dance in the middle of a street. And this is what the Father wants to bring us back to. And we're putting less emphasis on the power being on the platform and the power being in the people. Because when Jesus Christ came and he redeemed us, AJ, he did not come and redeem you and me and say, I'm going to redeem you, but I'm not going to empower you. He said, in fact, when I come and I redeem you, I'm going to send this dude called Holy Spirit that's going to come and he's going to do things in you you couldn't even imagine before. He's going to make what was unclear very clear. He's going to make what was dark light. He's going to cause the fog that was on the window to be washed, wiped away. He will. So when we speak of what I'm going to speak of today, before I can get there, I want to do this because it's the testimonies of the people and the power and the authority and what God does in a person's life that transforms them and does a miracle in the most difficult of circumstances. And what the Father can do in a man's life. that right, Patrick? that right, bud? You going to be able to keep it together for me? All right. Come and join me. What the Father can do in a man's life through miracles and relationship. Love you, buddy. Let me get you a microphone. Hold on, stand right here. You're about to hear a testimony of it. You tell. Let me oh, move man. stuff. Come over here. <laughs> Come over here. Let me move this stuff out of the way. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to sit down right behind you. Ooh. I tell you what I'm thinking about right now. is like his plans for me. Not that he had, but that's for me. Yes, 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 so yes. So amazing. So amazing. Hallelujah. <laughs> watch out, watch out. <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to discredit any uh, medical experts, because you know I'm thankful for them too. But the amount of intuition, the amount of right choices there was, you can't deny that's not the father. Come on, that's right. It. That's right. That's right. And man. My church brings more than 10,000 praises. Woo! Come on! That's what I'm I'm talking about. I got a little bit of a story. (laughs) That's all right. We want to hear it. But, uh... 
On July 7th, 2018, I hugged my mom on the way out of the house. I'm going to work out. Be back soon to cut the grass. Love you. Hours later, an SUV made an illegal left turn in front of a motorcycle less than half a mile from my house. Wow. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> wow. Unresponsive at the scene, the hemorrhaging badly and even coding <laughs> in the ER. Yeah, I've, I've been all the way through there. Wow. <laughs> By the time my mom arrived at the hospital, I was comatose and on a ventilator and required advanced life support measures to perform nearly every bo vital bodily function. Wow. I mean, <laughs> I took some steps. <laughs> wow. It took several days to determine all the extent of all my injuries, but the initial list included grade three Severe diffuse axonal injury, brain shear, multiple brain bleeds, a fractured skull, extensive crush fractures to my face. I mean, I broke my whole face. Wow. <laughs> Still look good, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a collapsed right lung and multiple broken ribs, bleeding and ground glass in both lungs, and a fractured left ulna and radius. That's my arm. <laughs> Pretty gnarly, right? <laughs> but uh, then spleen and liver lacerations and severe shock. Man. I can't even imagine. Just to think the, the amount of intuition and right choices it takes. I mean, I just start thinking about it and just, I crumble sometimes. I'm mm. not going to lie. Mm. I crumble. Isn't that the wow. Father? Wow. Yes. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. Any kind of words I use. To, to do it, justice just disservices it, right. you know? <laughs> wow. And I thought I was a pretty articulate guy, but I just don't do it justice. <laughs> wow. It's You're amazing. doing great. But, uh, yeah. And initially they told the doctors, they, they told my, my mother told the doctors, or, sorry. The doctors told my mother that based on the severity and type of my brain bleed injury, there was less than a 10% chance of me ever waking up if I survived. Hmm. <laughs> they told her it would not be unreasonable to expect my coma to last for a year or more. <laughs> wow. So I should still be asleep, technically. <laughs> <laughs> and then after 27 days, 27 days, wow. I emerged from my coma wow. <laughs> with almost no memory and paralysis on my left side. Notice how I said paralysis on my left side. <laughs> how great is this? Come on. How Hallelujah. 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 Come on, man. church brings more than 10,000 praises. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes. Mama? And even... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. You want to join your son? Yes. Love this lady. Love this lady. Love this lady. Tell you what. One last thing I'll tell you. So... My jaw was broken in five places during the accident. It's still misaligned. 
And it's like every time I rest my jaw and stop speaking, man, I can't think of not the Father. Right. I can't right. help but think, man, how great is he? Amen. How amazing is he? Amen. It just overwhelms me. It floods my body like a warmth. Amen. Like, man, it's Amen. crazy. It's breaking, really. But it's so beautiful at the same time. Patrick, I watch you, and every week, since you were able to return, yeah. every week, when it's easy for anybody else to get out of their seat and come and strike hands or whatever, bring their tithe, bring their offering, pray, whatever it is, just to greet somebody, when it's easy for everyone else, it's more difficult for you. Yeah. And yet nobody gets out and moves around more than you. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. And I want to thank everybody here because you guys have grown with me, man. I mean, you check up on me every week. Like, you're like, oh, man, how are you? How was your week? And I was like, huh, let me see. Now it's now a test of my memory. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did this today, right? I did this yesterday, and I did so-and-so, so forth, man. That's the best therapy, and this is more stimulating. I want to thank you guys. You grow wow. with me. Wow. That All you so guys awesome. grow with me. That's awesome. Bless you, man. Bless this you, is my therapy. <laughs> you want to? All right, you can be seated if you would, please. Uh, turn in your Bibles, whatever you use as a Bible, whether it be your phone or your book or your iPad or whatever it might be, but turn with me to this place, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about the series we've been on, which is Spread the Word, and today I want to talk, use this subject, I Did What? I'm not going to talk for a long time, um, because I have already, but uh, I am going to share a few things with you that I believe are important for us to understand, and there are three particular scriptures that I want to use. They're common scriptures. They're scriptures, Socrates, that are used frequently uh, to define certain attitudes of the heart, uh, of the mind, and they're used to define these things, and they're used a lot within a religious-type uh, setting. But I love what Mama said right here. She said, not religious, he's spiritual. And that's our heart. Our heart is to be spiritual. It is to be kingdom. I've said to people before, because we pray in tongues in this house, and I've said to people when I've tried to explain that to them before, uh, because if you're Pentecostal, your tendency or our tendency, whoever's tendency, I'm not Pentecostal, but for those who are Pentecostal uh, by background and religious mode, have this mindset that is trained and it is placed upon them and by default they come to this conclusion that anytime you hear someone say that they are praying in the spirit the assumption is they're praying in tongues but that's not true it's not true I'm praying in the spirit whether I'm praying in my English my known language or I'm praying in an unknown language. There are people who are praying in tongues that are not praying in the Spirit. In the same way that there are people who pray in a known language that are not praying in the Spirit. When we pray, if it's selfish, it's never of the Spirit. Never. Never. Because to pray in it to be in the Spirit is 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done in me in whatever way you see fit to use me to put this round peg into a round hole wherever it fits. So when we think of where we're at and what we've done and we talk about how we pray and the things that we do, oftentimes when we use words, our, when we hear a statement or hear particular words, we assume that we know what the speaker is referencing. We have to be careful about that for that exact purpose. To say that I'm praying in the Spirit would by most, at least in the religious realm, be an assumption that I'm praying in tongues. It's not true. We need to position ourselves to hear the voice of God in such a way that the voice of God was spoken. We need to make sure that we position ourselves to when we hear something said, it is as though we are hearing it for the first time. We need to position ourselves so that when we read the Word, we read the Word as though we are reading it for the very first time. Because if I read it the first time, and I read it the second time, and I read the same thing the third time, the first time it's new, the second time it's familiar, the third time it becomes common and distasteful, produces nothing, no longer has value. The kingdom of God draws us into a place by the nature of the kingdom, by nature of God, draws us into a place that is bigger than our capacity to understand it in a single setting. I'm taking you somewhere. But the kingdom of God is an invitation. It's not even a place. It's an invitation to enter into a dimension of Him where when we look around the room, we look around this and we see and we hear, we know that everything we see and everything we hear will change because we have relationship with Him. All this will make sense in a minute. The kingdom of God is bigger than you and me, and it's bigger than what you heard the first time, and it's bigger than what you'll hear the second time, and it's bigger than what you'll hear the third time. It's bigger than what you read the first time, it's bigger than what you'll read the second time, and it's bigger than what you'll read the third time. That's why John, and I keep going back to this, and I will continue to do this until it's not necessary. But that's why John is concluded with verse 25, letting us know, don't stop here. This is all we could write, but there's so much more. And if you read this over and over and over again, it will become nothing more than just a book. 
When I got saved and I was told to read the book of John, that was the first thing I was told to read, read the book of John. It's all about Christ and teach all about him and everything. I couldn't put it down. But after reading it numerous times, at some point, it wasn't as important anymore because it lost its power. Because the Father doesn't want me camping out in John and he doesn't want you camping out in John or Genesis or Matthew or any of the Gospels. He doesn't want you camping out there. He wants you in him. The kingdom of God is in him. He is not in it. So 1 Peter 2.5 reads like this. It says... You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Goes so well with what you said. Not a religious house, but a spiritual one. One that recognizes a part of God is in me. Do you get that this morning? When you sit where you are right now, do you realize that there is a part of Yahweh God in you. Do you get that? Somewhere in here, the Spirit of God is in me. I am never, Patrick, alone. I am never alone. I am in my in the darkest night in here. The Spirit of God is in me. There is an anointing present to do a work in me until that work comes out of me. There is a passion present in the voice of the Father. And in the release of his anointing, in the release of his word into you, in the release of the anointing of Jesus Christ into you, there's something present in you that wants to completely transform who you are, who you see yourself as, what you believe about yourself, until you can't hold it back anymore. The Father is looking for you and for me to not only accept that he is in us, but accept that he wants to grow out of us. The seed of the Father that dwells in you was placed there as a root that a tree could form from. And from the tree, branches, and from the branches, fruit, until it grew out of you. When the seed placed in the ground begins to grow, it begins to push aside everything that has tried to contain it for whatever the season of gestation was. It tries its best to contain it with pressure on every side and from above and beneath. It does what it can. I'm going to hold that seed. We're going to keep it in the ground. Nothing can get through this thing. But yet when that sprout begins to grow and it grows so slowly it can crack concrete It'll move the earth. It'll move a boulder that would require a man to get a bulldozer to move, but the sprout will cause that. It can 
shift things. And if it can't touch the boulder and move the boulder, do you know what it does? It begins to move the earth around it so the boulder has to fall into the cavity it has created. You need to hear what I'm telling you today. And that's the power. That's the anointing of Christ. That's that spiritual part of us. There is something in you this morning, Sarah, so much bigger than you. The creator of all things is in you. The creator of everything is in you. The creator, the creator, the creator is in you, present in you. You, you are bigger than you think you are. You are more capable than anybody has told you you are. There is potential in you you have yet to access. He is faithful. He is faithful. There is a seed, and it's growing. But it's only growing because we're saying, what now? Father, we're not limiting you. We're not limiting you. We're saying, what now? You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up, being grown. Built up there means being matured. You yourselves, like living stones, are being matured, being built up, being grown being prepared for something alone you are incapable of. What? Yeah. Now we try in our way as man, we try because we live in the generation of I can do it all by myself, I don't need anybody to help me. We try to do that. And the Father says, "Mm -mm. I'm growing you up as a spiritual house. And you need me. And I'm already there. Let me go to work. Being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Uh-oh. I might not get past this next part. So let me read the first part again. It's 1 Peter 2.5. You yourselves, like stones that are alive, are being built up as a reflection of God, spiritual house. That's what that is. Being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. That's what he's doing in you. Can you get that? Can you get that? Now, you might think, I'm not qualified. He doesn't know what I said to my husband this morning before we got here. I disqualified myself when my kids wouldn't get ready on time. When that guy pulled out in front of me just before I pulled into this building, I completely disqualified myself. Mm -mm. 
said, you are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices. Not religious sacrifices. Let me tell you the difference at the risk of offending some. When I got saved, see how I want to go down this trail here. I need to drink some water here. This is just pause for effect. But when I got saved, and I've told this story, so I'm not going to tell the whole thing, but when I got saved, I was given a list of rules that I had to live by if I wanted to be a part of that denomination, Assembly of God. You're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. If you do any of this, you can't be a part of us. It doesn't matter if you know God. It doesn't matter if you've received Christ. It doesn't matter if you're full of the Holy Ghost. If you go to a movie, you're going to hell and you can't be a part of us. It's true. That's what it said. And I knew immediately that that wasn't going to work out because when I saw that I couldn't go to movies, I said to the youth pastor, I said, it's not going to work. I can't sign that. I'm newly saved. At least I think I am. And I know that I'm about to go see this movie that just came out called Silverado. I'd been wanting to see that movie. It was coming out that Friday. And I got saved Monday night. I thought, this isn't going to go well. Because I'm going to see Silverado, and I guess I'll have to repent afterwards. So I told, the, I told him, I can't sign that paper, because I'm going to that movie. Well, Steve, you shouldn't. Well, I am. <laughs> Save me again next Sunday. <laughs> you know, I'm, the reason you're laughing is because you've been in the same place. But I learned, what I did learn was how to do things in decorum. I learned that every good Christian fasts. Every good Christian read a lot of verses of the Bible every day. The best Christians prayed for at least one hour a day. I thought, man, by the time I read what they want me to read and I pray as long as they want me to pray... And then I go to work. There's no time left. I'm not going to make it. When I didn't have to, you don't, the good news was, if you're going to fast as much as they wanted you to, you didn't have to worry about buying groceries or preparing a meal. Again, at the risk of offending, I'm not trying to offend, but I want you to get a revelation. You cannot, the kingdom cannot be imposed. So if today you get offended by what I'm telling you right now, it's because you don't even believe what you believe. Offense is always a reflection of your lack of belief in what you think you believe. But I was told, you'll fast, you'll do this, you'll pray this amount of time. And man, I tried to live by that. My Lord have mercy, man. I would pray and I would do all of these things. And I'm in the middle of praying. I'm doing my best not to nod out. And then I'm repenting for nodding out when I'm praying. Oh, God, forgive me because you're so boring. Oh. I'm sorry that you're not as exciting to me as you are to that preacher. Whew, can't keep my eyes open. It's true. You laugh, but you know, you know, you know exactly you know. 
and all of the fasting, man, I would fast because everybody knew if you're going to fast, you fasted for at least three days. I never made it past that. I just was never a good religious Christian. I made it to three days many times. But by the end of that three days, I was mad at God. I didn't feel closer. I thought, you are not very kind. And there were many other things that were imposed upon me in the belief that these are sacrifices that we make, Mariah, because we're good Christians. And that by doing these things, we're showing the Father just how much we love Him because I've skipped 12 meals. I want you to know how much I love you because I'm not going to eat filet mignon for dinner or Fruit Loops for breakfast. And then, while you were fasting, you were supposed to be praying the entire time. Now listen, just track with me. Don't get mad at me yet. Get mad at me in a minute, but right now is not the time. And all of that was going on. You can't eat. You're trying to pray. You can't talk to anybody. You're not supposed to think about anything that dishonors the Father. I was a young man. I thought about everything that dishonored God. It's true. Not everything, but there were thoughts. I'm telling you the truth. Stop acting like you haven't been there. Every one of you have had to repent for your own thoughts. You're coming into the kingdom. You're trying to figure it all out. You're trying to sort it all out. Can we just be real? Can we stop trying to be fake? We're not religion. We're, we are the kingdom of God. We are the church. So all of this is going on. And then they would come and they would ask you, well, how do you feel? You know, you're two days into this fast. How do you feel? Man, I feel great, man. I just feel like God is, woo. Five minutes before, I was cursing him. I hate this. Telling my neighbors, man, I'm eating and I hate this. And somebody might say, some religious nut might say, well, that's because you didn't have the right spirit, didn't have the right attitude. And you don't right now. Because you're lying against the truth. Because you've never fasted that you wish you weren't. And it was religious sacrifices. All pointing to again propping up the guy that was in the front of the building preaching and speaking make him feel good about himself or the powers that be feel like they're in charge. That's not the kingdom. And someone might say, well, you're standing up there preaching right now. You're right. But I'm trying to preach us away from this. First service was nothing like it. I'm trying to preach us away from this. So he says, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer, everybody say spiritual, spiritual. sacrifices. The Greek word for that word sacrifices is thusia. It is to become the actual sacrifice. Spiritual sacrifice where I become the actual sacrifice spiritually not religiously. 
And I want to talk about that. Always what the Father is trying to do, and then acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I want to make sure that we get that acceptable to God part in there. Always, as people, our tendency is to revert back to the Adam nature. Again, I'll use the examples I used a moment ago. JB, somebody pulls out in front of you. Our tendency is to revert back to that initial natural response, that Adamic side of us. And we want to get back into that. And we quickly might repent and get back out of it, but there for a moment, we just, and even if we didn't, we thought it. If we didn't say it. But we're in an awesome place right now, Tamisa. This house is in an awesome place because the Father is beginning to shift us from a place where we have tried to, hear what I'm about to say, we have tried in every way in truth, we have tried it with good and honest hearts, clean, clean hands, pure hearts. We've, we've entered into these, these places because uh, we believed that it was right. But in truth, what we have done up until recently is pretty much take what we had always heard and what we had always seen and just put a different face on it. Would that be safe? What we'd always seen, we would just put a different face or what we'd, the name or title that we were given, we would just change the title because it made us feel like we were growing into something else. But the reality of it was it's the same thing, just a different description. Sort of like sitcoms. They're all the same, different story. And we would do this. And then Holy Spirit began to show us the more. the John 21, 26 side. He began to reveal to us, if Christ did all of these things and they're not all recorded, even if there's, let's say it this way, let me make it really simple. If there's only one thing that he, one more thing, forget the fact that the world might not contain the books. Let's just say there's one more thing that Christ did that we are unaware of. Just one. There's only one that was not written in the Word, I want to find it out. Because if He did it, I can too. If He did it, you can too. So if it's just one more thing, and it opened up the door, and suddenly we begin to see and we begin to realize we don't have to continue to recycle the same thing over and over and go around the same mountain over and over at a little bit different elevation. But we can press in and we can begin to believe for what is beyond what we've ever heard or ever read or ever believed was even possible. But I believe there are spiritual sacrifices that have to take place to get there. In fact, 
I believe he's made a way for, for op, he's made opportunity for you and for me to come to a place where it has taken a season of change. We had to get to this place before he could begin. He used that season to prepare us for what's to come. Let me say it that way. If you ever leave because, oh, somebody said something bad, there were hypocrites in that church. I hope there's hypocrites in the church. Bring them. Where else are they going to get changed? I hope there's backbiters in the church. Where else are they going to get changed? We're going to tell them, hey, if you're a hypocrite, don't come in here. That's stupid. I hope they come. But they left. They spoke evil of some of you. You don't even know it. I could tell you who you are because some of you are here right now. They said bad things about you. Said bad things about me. Go figure. Boy, I didn't like them. I was mad. In fact, I got real close to bitter. I might have actually crossed over the edge of bitter. Pretty certain. But I forgave them in time. I forgave them. Still didn't like them. But I forgave them. It bothered me less that they were saying things about me than it did that they were saying things about you. And what's funny is, I probably shouldn't say this. One of you, it was in the first service, you're not here right now, but you're, you were one of their friends on Facebook forever, and they were trashing you. <laughs> it's funny. Now, and they're a pastor of a church. It's crazy. And years have gone by that all this occurred. And I'd forgiven and forgotten. Just never forget, but I've forgiven. And went on. And I thought to myself, never run into them. And I thought to myself over and over, if I run into these people, Holy Spirit, you know that seed you put in me? You better make that a tree really fast. <laughs> then I never thought about it anymore, Patrick. Listen to what I'm telling you today. All of you. Then I ran into a store the other day, and I pulled in the parking lot. And I saw the wife of the individual. I thought it was. I wasn't sure. But I saw that because she was looking down. And I saw this individual. And I pulled in, and I was thinking it might be this person, but not sure. I went in. I just walked right by the car. Walked right by the window. Didn't look in. I was busy. I was picking something up for dinner. Went in. I came out. And when I went in, I was checking out, and I looked over two lanes over, and the husband was in the lane. Then I was certain it was this person. And then I even said, I'm going to let them finish checking out. Because, you know, I don't know about you. You're probably a lot holier than me. 
You're probably certain how you'll respond in every circumstance. I never am. And I went out, and when I walked out, I walked by the car. They were still parked there, and right in front of me. And I got in the car, and I started it, and I backed halfway out, and I looked up, and, and, I, and it was clearly the wife. And I thought, Holy Spirit, that seed in me said, you can deal with this on their terms, or you can deal with this on the kingdom terms. On their terms, they have an expectation of what your response is going to be. And you will either honor them and meet their expectation, or you will honor me. That's what I said. Wow, thanks. And I put the car in drive. I pulled right up to their bumper, put it in park, turned the car off, got out, walked right up to the car window. Only the wife was in there, and I knocked on the car window. She rolled her window down, and I greeted her, and I said, how are you? Oh, I almost said the name. I don't want to do that. I said, how are you? She said, good. How are you? I said, fantastic. Fantastic. How's the family? I asked. Well, they're good. One of the kids is in the back. Do you want to greet one of the kids? Sure. Rolled the window down. Hey, how are you? Shook the child's hand. I said, where's your husband? He's over picking up something, whatever the other store was. I said, oh, is he doing well? He's doing great. And I was talking. I was just happy. As soon as he saw me, he was close to the car. As soon as he saw me, he said, Steve. <laughs> I called him by name. And I said, how are you? I'm fine. They had an expectation of how I would respond. They were surprised. It caught them. They did not expect that. And we talked for about 10 minutes. It was great. And I said, well, y'all have a good evening. And I turned, I got in the car, started it, and I drove off. Why do I tell you that today? Because the spiritual sacrifices that we make are not religious sacrifices. See, religious sacrifices are those you make by the law. They are those that you make because it's in black and white. It's in print. Spiritual sacrifices are those you make by word and spirit. Those you make because he makes you aware of something present in you that has to be excised, has to be removed. You hear me this morning? So my challenge to you is this, because of this place where the Father's bringing us, I'm telling you, John 21, 26, what's it mean? What's it say? There's, it's the third scripture with only two words. Keep going. Keep going. And if I'm going to keep going, I'm going to have to believe that I can represent him in a way that doesn't always look like I would represent myself. 
So spiritual sacrifices sometimes for us, Brian, are setting aside those things. This is how we would want to do it, but by word and spirit. He provides for you and me a moment, an opportunity. He provides something for you and me to find out about us what he already believes about us. See, the father already knew I could pass the test. I didn't. I didn't. I did not know if I could pass the test, but I did. And then I had a conversation last night with my wife, and we were driving home from seeing a movie. It wasn't Silverado. But we were driving home from seeing a movie, and on our way home, we were talking about this incident because we passed uh, one of the chains of the stores that that occurred at. And we were talking about somebody else, and would we be able to respond the same way? And I said, the Father will not put them in our path until he has prepared our heart. We've forgiven them, but he will not put them in our path until he's prepared our heart to be able to do it and to do it righteously. You hearing me today? What am I telling you today? I'm not interested in religious sacrifices. If the Father tells you to fast, I want you to fast. But if you're fasting because you read it in in this book called the Bible and you think it's a good idea, I'm gonna fast once a month, I'm gonna fast whatever, and some folks do that, You're just starving yourself. You're not doing anything. It's not honoring him. It's not honoring you. Don't do that. It's ridiculous. You're just going to wake up hungry. You're going to go to bed hungry, and nothing's going to change. Ask yourself how many times you've done that, and nothing changed. But when he says, I want you to enter into a time of fast, the fast won't necessarily be food, but it's going to be something that you value. It'll be something that you value. What will that be? When he asks you and you give it up for a day, an hour, 10 days, I don't care, 40 days, and you you release that, it's in those moments that he will do a work. He never does anything supernatural in a religious moment. It's never happened. Never happened. Never. It will never happen. Nothing supernatural has ever happened inside of religion. Everything that's ever happened supernatural has happened in the kingdom. It's happened in a people who had eyes to see and ears to hear. And they could get beyond the fact that a man might be healed in the middle of the temple on the Sabbath. Are you getting what I'm telling you today? Because you're being called to something. And when we begin to position ourselves so that we are making spiritual sacrifices. I know I'm talking today less than preaching. I hope you're learning something, though, or hearing me. But when we begin to make spiritual sacrifices, the Father grows us into a mature place because we're living stones, and He's growing us into this mature place. When we begin to make these position ourselves so that we can hear His voice and these sacrifices are made, that's when, the thing, that's when things begin to change. That's when your circumstances change. That's when you begin to spread the word. That's when people suddenly begin to look at you and say, you are not the same person that you were a year ago. 
That's when someone like Patrick Kenny can stand up and say what he said. That's when a Chris and Jamie Myers can stand and declare what they've said. That's when, and I could go around this room and pick out different people, that's when suddenly you have become the testimony and the demonstration that you have become. It's not because you set aside the word. It's not because you set aside what you've learned in the past. It's because you've said, this is valuable, but there's also more. There's always more, Patrick. There's always more. And I want to draw out of you today the willingness to ask yourself, what has the Father asked of you? For a long time, let me say this. For a long time, even when I felt like the Father was asking me, and I'm going to use fast because I used it earlier, but when I felt like the Father was asking me to fast because of the association with religion in it, I wouldn't do it. Even if I felt like in my spirit he was saying, I want you to fast, and I would think, oh, no, because that's just religious, that's just religious. And it took me a while to learn how to separate the difference between religious, doing something by law, and doing something by word and spirit. And it's a big difference. And then when I fasted, and the first time he said, I want you to do this, and it wasn't even three days. In fact, the first time my wife and I did it together, it was 24 hours, and we fasted, and it was simple. It wasn't, it wasn't a long time, but yet the context of it was full of life. And when it was all said and done, you, there was a sense that the Father was saying, you felt it. You are a son in whom I'm so well pleased. You have done well. I had never felt that way before. All the times I had fasted, I had never felt that because every other time I did it, I did it, oh, because this is what it says in the Bible. That's the complete misinterpretation. But when we do what we do by word and spirit, when we pray, in the spirit, not just open our mouth. That's why when I was going through this healing process, this everybody was telling my, me and my wife I had cancer, and you know, I've got these dots. You know the story. I told the story the whole time. And I would say to everybody, including this congregation, I said, pray for me one time, and then don't repeat it. I want you to ask... Him come into agreement that he will heal my body. But ask once, because if you repeat it, you didn't have faith the first time. So wait until you have faith to say it right the first time. Because God doesn't forget. And I said to my friends that were pastors everywhere else, and we had a little meeting up in Arkansas, and I was there with all my pastor friends, and I said to them, same thing, when you pray for me one time, don't, do not dishonor me by praying more than once. One time, you ask God to heal me. One time. So if you don't have faith to do it right now, then you wait till you have faith. And when you have the faith to do it, then you pray it once, once. And then don't ask again. I want you to pray with faith the first time. These are the things that the Father's growing us into. And Brian, it doesn't look anything like what the church has offered us for generations of time. Because what they've offered us is a beginning and an end. And what the Father offers us, there is no end. There was a beginning, but there is no end. It is eternal. The 
but you've got to be willing to lay hold of things. I look at that shirt that you're wearing right now, Sherry, with hell no on the front of it. I don't know another church anywhere in America where you could wear that shirt and feel good about it. And this one, we celebrate it. Why? Because we want to cuss? No. I don't want to cuss. I don't cuss. Most of the time. I don't cuss. I like to choose my words. I like to use good words. But I make a statement with that. We wore that shirt. It was a word in this house. I'm telling you today. Spirit of God, be awakened. The seed that is in you, the Spirit of God, not the religion of days gone by, but the Spirit of God that is alive, is alive, is alive, is alive in you today. Be awakened. And you'll spread the word because you won't be able to stop it. You will spread the gospel because you won't be able to contain it. Amen. What do you think, Kimber? You're the only Kimber I know. <laughs> what does that do for you? Do you like the change? Do you embrace the change? How much change do you want? There's more. You want to lay hold of all of it? Then you can. Because the Spirit of God is in you. Looking for you to say yes to His yes. Waiting. And when you say yes, that seed begins to grow. And you don't have to understand it. Nobody here, Socrates, you don't have to understand it. Nick, you don't have to understand it. Obedience is not understanding. Obedience is obedience. Obedience is yes. It's a short word. And the most incredible thing about the kingdom is that when I say yes to him, I don't have to worry about laws or rules that I might be breaking. I simply say yes, and if there's a law or there's something in my life that's broken in time, he'll deal with it. But I don't have to deal with it all this morning. This morning, if I can just focus on the fact, I, I want you to be alive in me. And I welcome you. Wake me up. Wake me up. Until yeah. I'm willing to get past the things that, that have held me back. And I stop looking at all the baggage I've carried around and all the stuff I've carried around. And then I'll spread your word because I will not be able to contain the gospel that is coming alive in me. Amen. Amen. In your walk with God, stop looking backwards. Stop measuring up with what's behind you or trying to. Don't look backwards. 
Don't even consider what you came out of. It is irrelevant. It is not even important anymore. It doesn't matter what you came out of. It matters what you're headed into.